0: Down and three, quick throw, what a catch. Samuel stays upright. Terrific catch and run. One-on-one with Ramsey. Can't bring him down. Samuel, highlight reel. Touchdown. Down.
1: In the entertainment capital of the world. Kirk Cousins back to throw on fourth and 18. He's given time. He wants Jefferson, close the ladder. Oh my goodness! It's the TC market show.
0: Show. show.
1: And 10 from the home. Pressure and he sacks! First one of the day, and it's Bosa who gets home. TC Martin. TC Martin. It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor.
2: He is electrifying. TC Martin. Is this for real? Oh my goodness. Can he do it twice? T C Martin. Can you believe it?
1: Even a little Dion strut to the end zone. Oh,
2: TC Martin hey. 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 Jr. Oh my gosh,
3: here he
0: goes! First sprint. He's being chased by Howard. Looking behind, you can kiss him goodbye. Touchdown! The doctor is now in, in, in,
1: It is a football Friday, and we are here live at the Westgate Las Vegas, inside the world-famous Super Superbook, our Friday home, pumped up, revved up, ready to roll. It is the NFL. C and AFC Championship games. It is the championship weekend, and it is happening on Sunday. And we will know in about uh, forty-eight hours or a little bit longer who will be coming to Las Vegas for the Super Bowl on February 11. The TC Martin with you, my tag team partner here at the Westgate Las Vegas, Marco D'Angelo in the house. Jay Cornegay will be joining us a little bit later on this hour. The vice president of the Super Book here, and we'll talk to Jay regarding where the money's going for these two games between Kansas City and Baltimore, the AFC Championship, and the Lions and Niners, which will be the nightcap late, Saturday, late Sunday afternoon. And we will talk to Jay regarding that and a whole lot more here. But uh, glad to have you with us on our Friday edition of the T.C. Martin Show, of course, here at the Westgate Las Vegas, where we will be giving you our best bets as well, too. And I should make that singular and not plural, since it will be just one game that we'll be selecting. Because we shouldn't do best bets because there's only two games. So I'm a firm believer is you have to pick your best bet when you have, you know, 14
2: games, 16 games, pick three they could be your best bets. Wouldn't you agree with that? But technically, there's four, five, six of us making picks, so it is best bets. Very because nice. Because plural.
1: Very nice. I like that. <laughs> Chuck is back in the studio ringing his bell, doing his best Anita Ward impersonation. There's an old school reference for some of these that will we'll get that.
2: What's going on, Marco? What do you got? Friday at Westgate can't get to any better than that. You got horses, you got hockey ready to tip off, NBA, few college games on the Friday card, so glad to be here. But when you get to this week of the football season, love the conference championship week because you you know, you've gone all season long, everybody's battled, we're like you said, two days away from finding out the final two participants. But then once those two games are over you realize there's only one more football game. That's right. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. So that's the, the bitter And we got to wait 2 weeks for it. You got to wait 2 weeks for it. Well, you, you know, you can get involved in flag football in the middle week. No. <laughs> <laughs> the oh. Pro Bowl is that that's the most ridiculous of all of the sports having their their all-star, all-star games. game. Yeah, yeah. The most ridiculous. It is. <laughs>
1: They've all become pretty ridiculous. Still, Major League Baseball for nah, me baseball's is, is pure. Yeah, it's it's still pretty pure. But uh, no, I'm I'm with you, man. It's funny you bring that up because I have totally forgotten about that. Now we've talked about it before because they've had that game here in Vegas, mm-hmm. which it was never a big proponent of that. I couldn't even tell you where the Pro Bowl is and. This year? I Who know. cares? <laughs> <laughs> it's terrible. All right, a lot of stuff to hit on today. We'll, uh, we'll hit both of uh, the games, Kansas City, Baltimore, and Detroit, and San Francisco. And here's an interesting topic. So we got the most valuable player candidates um, on board here, as, as well as head coach of the year. I'm going to go down the nominees, and let's have a little discussion about this, all right, Josh Allen, quarterback of the Buffalo Bills, Lamar Jackson, Baltimore Ravens, Christian McCaffrey, San Francisco 49ers, Dak Prescott, the Dallas Cowboys, and Brock Purdy, those are your five nominees for player of the
2: year, who are you going with? I can eliminate two right away, Mm -hmm. Brock Purdy's eliminated because he's on a team with three stars. Okay. And one of the other stars is in the, you know, in the finalist there. So it's not going to be him. Um, Dak Prescott playoff game Mm. gone. Right. All right. So you go to the remaining three. The fact that, uh, Josh Allen got beat, uh, is a situation, uh, that probably takes him out of it. I think he was out of it beforehand. And then you look at who's left. Is it Christian McCaffrey? Is it? Lamar Jackson. I think it's Lamar Jackson. Um, what he's done in the hype that's come into this year, he's delivered. So many times guys get the truck backed up to the uh, the docks and unloaded with the money. They don't always uh, have the season that corresponds with uh, getting the payday. He got the payday, and he's had the season. And you saw last week. He was the reason Baltimore won against Houston. I mean, he was a one-man wrecking crew, and he is the most valuable player. You take him off of that team and even go into Christian McCaffrey, even though I think that he is the integral part Of the 49ers, he is what makes everything else go. It opens up the passing game for Brock Purdy whenever he's running the football the way he does. You take Lamar Jackson off that team, that team has no shot in the playoffs. We've seen that in the past. So most valuable player to his team, to the league, it's Lamar Jackson. That
1: is probably the way that it's going to go down. Um, And I'm just wondering, you know, here... I believe you know the voting pretty much is done, and they're not going to incorporate what transpires this weekend. You know, with that, mm-hmm. I'd like to see them, you know, take all of that into consideration. Heck, I'd like to see them take the Super Bowl in consideration as well, too, because all of this will be announced in the NFL Honors, uh, which will be what taking place um, a week from next Wednesday here in Las Vegas. So that'll be uh, aired here. Uh, It'll be uh, shown here, not only shown here, but recorded here and all that that stuff here as uh, the NFL will, you know, making their way into town. They've already made their way into town and tearing up Allegiant Stadium and from the outside to the inside and all that sort of thing. But I still have reservations about Lamar Jackson. And for me, I would lean Christian McCaffrey. And for a lot of the reasons that you stated of being the... Focal part of your team. Without Christian McCaffrey, the San Francisco 49ers are not where they're at. You know, today, you've already eliminated Brock Purdy, which I agree. Brock Purdy should not be in the in this conversation. But the 49ers can almost put anybody back there at quarterback, but you cannot put anyone back in that backfield. But Christian McCaffrey, he just does so much, so, so much of the unsung stuff as well. You could look. And his rushing yardage and his touchdowns, what he does, catching the football out of the backfield, all that stuff. But just his presence there, his presence there just opens up the field for George Kittle and Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk and the rest of them as well, too. So, you know, for me, if you're talking about a guy that, you know, really is the focal part of the offense, it definitely is Christian McCaffrey. Now... Lamar Jackson will probably get it because the quarterback gets all the love and gets all the hype and I understand that. But I still believe that the Baltimore Ravens can win without Lamar Jackson and we have we have seen that. You know, he had 151 yards last game and there's been several times this season where he's thrown below 200 and 250. They have a great running game, the number one running game in the National Football League. They're averaging 156 yards per contest, and that's what really makes this team go. And then you look at the flip side, what they do on d- defense. You know them and the Niners. I mean, you could say they're one and one eight from a defensive standpoint, as far as being uh, the best in the NFL. So to me, it's a it's a two horse race, so to speak, with Lamar Jackson and Christian McCaffrey. I think I agree with you. They'll give it to Jackson, but this should be a very close race and decision. And if i got to vote,
2: I'm voting McCaffrey. The only thing I disagree with you saying is we, we agree that he makes the San Francisco offense go. But then you added it, you could put back... Anybody back there? Well, I said the presence, just him being when when he's no. not playing. Yeah, then but, they're one dimensional. But you followed up and said you could put any quarterback in there, and the team's going to play. And that's not the case because we've seen they ran Jimmy Garoppolo out of town because he couldn't get them to the next level. No, I ta- well, I said that I was talking about Baltimore. No, if when you, you said Christian McCaffrey, okay, you you did say that he's your choice. Because he's the, he's the vocal point of the team in the quarterback position. Even though I eliminated Brock Purdy, you agreed with that. You said they could put just about anybody back there. They can't. We've seen they they haven't. The other two guys that were there didn't get the job done. Now they didn't have. Okay, hold on. You got to say that the,
1: the, Purdy has been the only quarterback they've had this year. So this you, can't, year. you can't throw Garoppolo. You're talking past.
2: past you're, tense. you're talking past tense, yeah. But there is a reason they're not here. Because those two guys couldn't get it done. But they didn't have a full season with Christian McCaffrey. That trade happened last year. So, uh, yes, I, I agree with you that he will be the second-place finisher. They're going to give it to Lamar Jackson. And although Lamar only had 150-some, what did you say, last week passing, 152 yards 152, passing. two. yeah. The uh, situation is, you know, he ran the football for 100 yards okay they were some of them were design plays, some of them were you know when the play breaks down, he extends the drive you that's you can't take him off that team and tell me that they would still be here where they are. We saw how far they got last year. they barely got into the playoffs last year, and they had an opportunity to win their playoff game, but it you know it, the fumble with the you know the goal line and it went the other way uh, you know was the difference in that game against Cincinnati i just think because of all of the hype we had this year and you're right this is a award that is predominantly given to the quarterback it's the glamour position it gets all of the hype and he hasn't done anything this year to hurt his status mm.
1: the passing numbers are not great but you're right, the running numbers. See, that's what puts it over for me with Lamar Jackson, you know, because he does add 50, 60, sometimes 100 yards a game with his legs and in being that dual threat. Let me ask you I know what the answer is for me, but do you feel more comfortable with him
2: as a runner or as a passer? I've always, you know, with him as a runner, there's no question that uh, he's better. There's always been the thing about him. Is he a pocket passer or is he better passer on the move? Okay, in the knock has been he hasn't been a great pocket passer in the past, but this year he did have better numbers. He had a few more weapons too, mm-hmm. and they do not only his own running game. They got a good running game in the two guys, you know, the guys in the backfield oh, behind fantastic
1: him. Fantastic running game. Okay, They're so that, loaded there.
2: That yeah. opens every yeah. everything up, and it's going to help the passing game. You know, they went out. You know, and, and got him some weapons in the off season. Granted, you know, maybe a little long in the tooth, but they still run. You know, they get the job done. They run the routes that they need to to run and possession type. You know, he doesn't have the breakaway speed anymore. You know, on the wide out, but he got the job done for them. You know, in some key spots. I just think it's it's them to lose. I know Kansas City. You know, everybody's going to be on to Patrick Mahomes bandwagon everybody's gonna look and see last week oh, the offense is back the old oh we got to the playoffs we turned to switch kansas city's back and i get all the history with kansas city but there are a lot of things in play last week for that game you know when we were at dinner uh, wednesday night talking you know with coach tice mike tice you know we brought up a lot of those things Buffalo was decimated injury wise. They had a you know a short week of prep time, and compound that by Kansas City had an extra day of prep time. It you know it, that was a huge advantage in that game. Everything was against Buffalo, um, and yet it came down to what, you know the missed field goal at the end. I just think this is. Yeah, well, this is Baltimore's year. You know, they're uh, weather-wise. You got Kansas City. You know, they're used to playing in whatever elements it is. So that's never going to be a factor in a Kansas City game. But if the weather is off a little bit, with that running game of both Lamar Jackson and the running backs in Baltimore, you would have to give a slight edge to Baltimore. You know, I wouldn't say slight edge, a bigger edge to Baltimore in that type of game.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: All right, we'll be uh, we getting to those games and, and break that down. But uh, as far as uh, the most uh, outstanding player, Lamar Jackson probably will get it. Like I said, Christian McCaffrey right there as well. The only thing, you know, that I, I still am concerned about, you know, is his accuracy. His accuracy uh, has gotten better this year. But again, I. He's got to win. He's got to win this game this weekend for me to really, you know, kind of turn the page for him. Because you mentioned years past, he hasn't got the job done. You know, now he's he's two and three after winning last week against the Houston Texans, and in a game where Baltimore struggled in the in the first half, but the second half they did a fantastic job. But we'll see how this plays out. You know, in Josh Allen, it's funny. Maybe we would have a different. uh, Take if Josh Allen wins that game last week against Kansas City because when you look at numbers for MVP, Josh Allen's numbers are are right there. And maybe we're, you know, discounting him or the public's going to discount him just because Lamar Jackson has a chance to go to, you know, play for a Super Bowl and Josh Allen's already been eliminated here. But, you know, I would put Allen and Allen should be in that conversation um, as well.
2: There's no question if you want to talk about. Taking a player away from a team, Buffalo's—I don't think they're a 500 team without Josh Allen. That—that's how much he is to that team. He's everything because, like Lamar Jackson, when you know, in the difference between Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen is the running game that Josh Allen brings to you is not as explosive as Lamar Jackson's. But he gets the yards that add up. He gets the those third down plays where he's the the ground pound guy. Okay, you know he's going to run you over. But when you look at the passing numbers, he blows Lamar Jackson away with his passing numbers. There's one other thing that he blows Lamar Jackson away too, and that's the column way to the right. The ints Mm -hmm. he is going to throw. You know he's going to have those games where he's going to have two or three interceptions, and he's had several of them this year because. He does have that gunslinger mentality. He is a Brett Favre type clone. Um, the way he's built, the way he runs the football and thinks he can put the football in any kind of coverage. And sometimes that gets you in a lot of trouble. There's a fine line between cocky and confident. You know, you want to push the envelope as far as you can to the cocky side without going over that line. Okay? But, you know, it does, you know, you want to be confident. But once you hit cocky, sometimes you make bad bad decisions.
1: You know, Patrick Mahomes is not in this list. He's not in this conversation. And the main reason why he's not is that interception category you talked about. Yeah. You know, Jackson has seven interceptions on the year. Patrick Mahomes double that, yeah. 14. And who would have thought that? We're going to have these two guys facing off against each other. And Patrick Mahomes has double the amount of interceptions over Lamar Jackson. Seems a little strange, doesn't it?
2: Well, it's been a strange year period for the Kansas City offense, and that's because when you look at the body of work, this is a team that, you know, when we break the game down, I'm going to bring up a stat that Baltimore has scored 31 or more points in nine of their last 11 games. Kansas City, I think, has scored 31 points two or three times the entire season. That's it. Okay, the right. big difference on the offense is this year. It's not, it's been, the, they've leaned on the, the defense more this year because the offense has not been explosive. Now, again, people are going to look at last week's game and they're going to overreact, okay, because you've got, you know, they've never lost a playoff game. But last week, the, the asterisk was they were all at home. Okay, well, now, he you know, he got that monkey off his back. He won a playoff game on the road. So now the stat is playing. He's never lost a playoff game. <laughs> okay? He, there's no more asterisks to it. And until Lamar Jackson wins the big game, even though he won last week and he come out flat. We talked about both of the two teams with the buys had, you know, flat first halves last week. Lamar Jackson got it going in the second half. They, they were clicking on all, all cylinders. He got a monkey off his back as well because he was one and three going into the playoffs this year, and that was the knock on him. You know, when people were saying, Is he worth that money that he's asking? He hasn't won the big game. That's always been the conversation, you know, when we go to the guy that's on the list that I eliminated, you know, early, Dak Prescott. Puts up gaudy numbers during the regular season, but every time they have a big game, you know, a big division game, a big playoff game. Where's Dak? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Nowhere to be found. Exactly. So,
1: <sighs> say this about this, this weekend's game, too. Lamar Jackson will be facing his toughest defense that he's seen, okay? You know, Houston, nice year, nice story, but no. And you can kind of go down the list. Maybe, what, the Steelers, the next best defense that, that Baltimore face, faced, or San Francisco, and I'll give them credit. Because Baltimore passed the test big time that Christmas Day game when they faced San Francisco in San Francisco and they, they took it to the 49ers, And that's the game especially that, Lamar Jackson. That's
2: the game that lost Brock Purdy any consideration to yeah. the MVP. Yeah. All right.
1: Coach of the year Dan Campbell, John Harbaugh, D'Amico Ryans, Kyle Shanahan, Kevin Stefanski. To me, okay. this is an easy one. Okay. Well, can, this we el- is an easy one. can we
2: eliminate right well?
1: all right. All right. we yeah. Okay, uh, that bottom one. I don't even yeah. know how the game got on the list.
2: Well, until what happened in the playoff game. When you consider how many quarterbacks he had to use in Cleveland, he really did do a good job.
1: He won. All of those guys did a good
2: job, but okay. now you got to you got to select one as your coach okay. of the year. You start you. St- well, you're really you're. You're slapping <laughs> Stefanski in the face a little bit there oh, with how yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, you know. And you know why I'm slapping him in the face? Because he couldn't win on the road. He lost you know five out of eight games in the regular season on the road.
2: He Come won on. four games in a row with Joe Flacco. Okay, with Joe Flacco. What's wrong, with Joe Flacco? Okay, yeah,
1: It was the best option they had this year.
2: <laughs> uh, yeah, Jeez. you know, after Deshaun Watson yeah, got yeah. hurt again, yeah. and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, that was a nightmare in Cleveland. Yeah. But Dan Campbell is going to be most likely the guy that wins it in my opinion and the reason I'm going to say that and I'm going to say somebody I think deserves it better okay but what he did with the culture of Detroit in 3 years and get them to the playoffs and again I don't know if there w- when there was an official deadline for getting your votes in for this, but the fact that it carried over into the playoffs and they got the playoff win as well, I think that cinched it for Dan Campbell. Now, who I think maybe probably really deserves it for the body of work, you got to look at the Houston Texan coach. Uh, even for what they did, you had a rookie quarterback that played out of his mind. Nobody... On anybody's preseason projection list, even had Houston near 500, mm. and they win the, vi- the division. This is a much tougher,
1: balanced list than the MVP. For me, like I said, it, it comes down to Lamar Jackson and Christian McCaffrey, and, and probably Jackson with, with, the, with the lean. Here, you can make a case for four of the guys: Campbell, like you, for everything you said. Harbaugh for just the great all-around job that he's done in being consistent. D'Amico Ryans is a, is a, another nice story and improved a team dramatically. And then Kyle Shanahan, again, you're talking about the top seed in the NFC with, with San Francisco. You can make a, a case for all of those guys, but for me, it's John Harbaugh. It is John Harbaugh because of the complete job that he's done on both sides of the ball they have never wavered baltimore has been the most consistent team and i think that's what you have to look at consistency when you're talking about a coach of the year award this team has just went all the way through without a blip and uh you never you know this isn't a guy that pats himself on the back he's not a big media guy Dan Campbell, you know, he he loves the camera and people love tuning into him. And that goes back to, you know, hard knocks going back to last year and everything. And the Detroit Lions is, is a great story, but he's not the coach of the year. We This guy still cannot coach on the offensive side of the ball. He can't do it. And John Harbaugh can do it all. So for me,
2: it's Harbaugh. I can't argue with, with Harbaugh because, you know, the team did what they did. And there was a question. They weren't. They weren't the favorite to do that. Re- remember that coming into the season, right. they weren't the favorite. That's right. That's why I eliminate Shanahan. Okay, Shanahan all had all the weapons at his dis- disposal. The only thing that you can give him credit is that he kept Brock Purdy on pace. You know that wasn't a flash in a pan. But, you know the final how many games he played last year. Yeah. Brock Purdy had a solid season. But just for the reasons we took Brock Purdy out of, you know, MVP race is because he also had D. Bill O'Sama. He also had Christian McCaffrey. So the San Francisco 49ers on paper were the best-built team to be where they are today, and all he did is not wreck the bus. He see, now, I, I can't go with that. And yeah, see,
1: yeah. now you're in the Major League Baseball scenario. How stupid uh, that the Major League Baseball is, you know, their writers when they select that stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, oh, let's take the guy that we weren't expecting to do much, and he did more, therefore he's the manager of the year. Ludicrous. Insane. The thing with Kyle Stanton, you can't penalize a coach for having great talent. Now you got to remember why is a lot of that talent there? Because they want to play for Kyle Shanahan and he could very easily mess it up. Be, be you know, for that argument saying, Oh, well, we got to discount him. Bro- I'm not discounting Brock Purdy because of the great talent he has around him. I'm discounting Brock Purdy for that player of the year award because his numbers weren't that good. And in big games, he couldn't beat Baltimore. He didn't have a high completion percentage. And he was turning the ball over. So to me, it's who the quarterback Purdy is. So that's why he's out. But Shanahan is a very, very good coach. And I'm just saying you can't you can't I'm not just say, oh, forget him because he's got, you know, three, four all pros around
2: you know, on his team. When you're down to the final vote, you give me the vote, I would say of those two guys, Harbaugh. In Shanahan, mm-hmm. Harbaugh did a better job because he didn't. This team on paper wasn't expected yeah. to be what they were. He improved mm-hmm. them over expectations and had it all the way through the yeah. season. Remember, San Francisco had that three game losing streak. Two, of them, two, the two yeah. of them were on the road. Two of them were on the road, but it, it was actually all of a sudden what, what's wrong with the 49ers? Everybody's yeah. pointing fingers yeah. at everybody. Um, You know, they were banged up. That's what was wrong with them, and it's a long season. And since that, when they came back off the bye week uh, from the three-game losing streak, they didn't miss a beat, basically. Baltimore was that consistent team the whole way. But if you're talking about who did the best job, the best job for the coaching, got the most out of the talent that he had, is the Houston coach, if you're going to base it on that yeah you can make that argument Question. so it, yeah. it, it's again how do you what are the parameters for you know the coach of the year yeah. you know you don't hand it to the best team every time you know we saw that in the w n b a this year yeah okay well that that's, was a, that's
1: what i'm saying okay. and, and with the n f l it seems like they go a little bit more towards the success of the team, and the coach gets a lot of you know the the kudos for that and Again, I just, I, I look at who, who's the best coach, who's the pro coach, and who just, you know, went right down the schedule this year and had his team ready to go and they, and they delivered. And if you believe in head to head competition, which you don't talk too much about with coaches, but players you do, hey, Baltimore beat San Francisco. They beat him soundly. And kudos to John Harbaugh, had his team ready to go. So to me, John Harbaugh is is the coach of the year, and
2: it it shouldn't be close. Well, and he you might as well give it to him this year because when the odds come out for next year, his brother's going to be the favorite going in <laughs> to coach of the year. <laughs> you know they're going to overbet. You know they did it with Sean Payton coming in this year. Well, again, that you, you got to deliver. You got to see yeah. how
1: the season plays out. If, but the, if, when if they Jim the, Harbaugh comes in and their team is ten and six, he's not getting coach of the year. or they're you know nine and seven. Nine when Jacob
2: when Jacob's comes on. I guarantee you, the line they—they're going to shade the line on him before they open it up, just because they know the hype. Yeah. Well, you saw the hype last betting, year.
1: Betting and results at the end of the season are, are totally different. Well, so it here, doesn't matter what that. The, the I'm bets here are.
2: is a better. Okay. Yeah. I I bet. Okay. I could give, I could give a rat's you know what about any of these awards unless I have a bet but on if, it. If
1: you're betting on something that's subjective like that. Then that's no good, man. You can't. You, you should not be betting on that. You know that's again that's subjectivity because nine ninety percent of the time you're going to say I got robbed of this that and you're gonna and you're probably right. You did get robbed. Right. That's why it, which it, you shouldn't be betting on that on those type of things when when it when it's involved in 30 to 60 other ham and eggers right. that have nothing to do with the sport. But well, which you, don't
2: play the which sport which ra- raises a question. You know like on the Super Bowl with the props and everything. Yeah. You can only bet props the the answer to that prop is found in a box score. Right. Yet you can bet these kind of things that again are subjective like you said mm-hmm. it comes down to a vote. Right. What's the difference? Should we bring our, our well, astute guy
1: before we go to the break? Let's do that. Yeah. Jay right. come <laughs> comes and, and joins us, and uh, we'll continue this conversation on the other side of the break. But we're talking uh, MVP, coaches, voting, and, and Marco's now turned it into the the, the, the betting uh, uh, side of this thing. So go ahead and explain to Jay if Jay didn't actually listen well, he, to your he- question.
2: He made a comment, you know, why would anybody, you know, why would I bet as a professional better an MVP award or something like that player of the year? And because it's subjective, it's down to a vote. And I said, yeah, usually not. We want things that we can handicap. And I said, that raises a question to me. I know whenever it comes to this Super Bowl, everybody asks you, they want to bet, they want to bet the, uh, national anthem, you know, because places, you know, far, far away from Vegas, you can do that. But the answer to that in Vegas is you can only bet a prop that the answer is in the box score. So why on MVP stuff where that's technically not in a box score, it's, it's to a vote. It's subjective. Yeah. Subjective. Why is that? Okay.
3: <laughs> is this on? <laughs> <laughs> I, can't, I, can't spot. Ex- I can't explain it. No, it, it's... Because um, before, well, you never is, even could take bets no, like there, that, there, right? There is an official result of that proposition of oh. <laughs> Coach of the Year, whatever you want right. to call it, all right? Coach of the Year, there's an official result. There's not an official result for National Anthem, right? There's actually no official result of the Gatorade color mm-hmm. because there could be actually multiple Gatorades over there. Mm-hmm. Not all the players want lime lemonade or whatever you know it's it's somewhat cherry right okay so it's it's not so much has to be in the box score for it to be allowed there has to be an official result and it has to be something that does nobody has uh prior knowledge of the winner okay? okay so and we've run into this over the you know different states. We have nine different states now, and it varies state by state. <laughs> some will allow this stuff, some won't. Now, as far as the national anthem or uh, how many times they show Taylor Swift or whatever <laughs> it might be, stuff that you <laughs> there's have a new no problem this year. I can or, see it right now. Yeah. Or, oh yeah.
2: Well, so. she has to get back if they make it. You know, she plays the night before in Japan. She has yeah. a concert. If they make the Super Bowl, she right. said she's coming. She's all gonna right. fly. All I, don't, I,
1: I don't know how a simple question went from the MVP <laughs> to coaches. How we've gone from what color the Gatorade is, and and to to Taylor Swift. I have no idea.
3: Yeah. See, it sounds like Marco's already handicapping some of this stuff. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> Wait a minute. She's on a flight. Uh, yeah. <laughs> our sharp, our, our sharp
1: Taylor Swiftie is yeah. Marco D'Angelo. Yeah. What's the What's the weather like in Tokyo? <laughs> Did you get an answer? Because I don't think we got an answer. I, I, What's I, the question? I, he should, I, he should run for president.
3: To, I'm trying to figure out his question. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. Well, it's like I, I was trying to explain to you. I mean, some of them are – I mean, you have to have an official result, first of all, that you could look it up and say that's the winner. Yeah. You, you can do that yeah. with coach of the year, mm-hmm. right? So that's why that's allowed. Now, something like which team is Tom Brady going to sign with, Right. That's something that somebody has prior knowledge to, whether it's his agent, his agent's daughter, you know, you name it. A number of people can have prior knowledge to that. So as far as the coaching proposition or who's going to be coach of the year, as long as they cut it off, as far as I'm concerned as a, a, you know, a bookie, (laughs) uh, cut it off, you know, before the votes are, um, you know, before the deadline. Mm. So that way, you know, you, you, you know, once the once the, you pass the deadline, somebody could know the results of it, and uh, I wouldn't be in favor of something like that.
1: So, have you had Coach of the Year, MVP on the board all year? Uh huh. What kind yes. of action do you get on that?
3: Uh, well, th- it varies. You talk about like Defensive Player of the Year, not so much. Offensive mm-hmm. Player of the Year, not so much. MVP, yes. Coach. Mm-hmm. Coach of the year is dominated by sharp guys like Marco you know those guys that really handicap that and see and how do you handicap that it's information you know what you know what what, what is everybody looking at you know who's the favorite in the circles of the coaching ranks and you go from there.
1: All right, Jay Cornegate in the house. When we come back, we will talk about the championship weekend, AFC NFC NFC games, and uh we'll see where the money is moving here as well too. We're at the Westgate Las Vegas on a fabulous football Friday. The Sacramento Sports Hall of Fame celebration is back Sunday, February 4th at Thunder Valley Casino. Meet and greet the class of 2024. Matt Barnes, James Donaldson, Leon Lee, and Jamie Whitmore. Don't miss Sacramento's best sports night of the year. Food served between 6 and 7 p.m. Live entertainment with comedian Dennis Gaxiola. Get your tickets now at Ticketmaster.com for the Sacramento Sports Hall of Fame celebration Sunday night, February 4th. All info, go to SACSportsHOF.com. Get Wrecked with the doctor, T.C. Martin. California, All right, nothing better than a championship weekend, AFC and NFC championship games on Sunday. Remember the first one, 12 noon, and the place to be here, the Westgate Las Vegas, inside the Superbook. Great atmosphere. It was fantastic for the Divisional Round last weekend. Looking forward to it this weekend. Kansas City, Baltimore. And then at 3.30, actually they'll kick it off at 3.42, I believe, that is Detroit and San Francisco. And the vice president of the Super here, Jay Cornegay, joins us. i got to introduce Jay properly. I'm sorry, ladies <laughs> and gentlemen. Hold on. Ladies and gentlemen, the winner of the Las Vegas Review-Journal, Handicapping Contest, 59 <laughs> victories, 25 losses, 6 ties or pushes, 3-0 and in the current playoffs, 71% Handicapper Extraordinaire, Jay Cornegay. <laughs> now, if you saw Jay Cornegay today, you would not really put those stats together because he looks like he's just got out of stall number 8. At the rodeo. <laughs> what are you wearing today? I mean, you've got the jeans. You've got the plaid. It's, it's buttoned up. Yeah. The only thing missing is the cowboy boots. I
3: do have some boots at home. Oh, my
1: okay. God. It was Casual Friday. It was not country Friday. Oh. Is this country? Oh, my God.
3: I guess I forgot my hoodie. Yeah, right.
1: <laughs> this, this record, you're getting a lot of love. For this, uh, this right, uh, so I got, you got interviewed on TV right before you came on with us today.
3: Uh, I don't know, it's like I said, I've been in the contest for a number of years and I've been right around 50%. I just try to be above 50% so I don't catch a hard time at the grocery store or something <laughs> that has happened. You guys know those stories. Yeah. Um, but, um, I don't think it's been going, you know, my way. That's I, great, man. My, my wife gives me a hard time because. You know, I didn't enter any of the contests, so she's like, oh, you know, we should do this. You should do the backyard. Oh, that's right. You didn't enter. <laughs> it's a running joke now. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's right. You didn't enter. <laughs> so, um, but I... Telling everybody it would probably be around 50% next year. I don't know.
0: That's the
1: way it goes, right? Yeah. All right. Well, you're you're, you're seeing the field well, as we say, you know? All right? So how you you seeing the field here from a handicapping <laughs> aspect, and then we'll talk about from the book aspect, okay. Kansas City, Baltimore. We see this line now uh, up to four. We were talking earlier in the week. Mm, okay. We kind of anticipated four,
3: four and a half, opened mm-hmm. at three and a half. Now it got pushed up to four. So what are you seeing here? Well, we – Opened um, three minus dollar twenty, and we quickly went to three and a half, and we were at three and a half for a long period of time. Just over the last couple of days, we went up to four. Um, I know I, I always thought that Baltimore was a really complete team. I think they're very balanced. I think that uh, they're very healthy. Um, I really wasn't impressed by. The Chiefs' victories over a, a banged-up Miami team in zero-degree weather and a depleted uh, Buffalo team. Even though I'll give them some credit for going up there and beating them, but we, they were a field goal away from going into overtime. Um, I just think Baltimore uh, is. Uh, I don't. I don't know how I can better describe my feeling with Baltimore outside of them being complete. I think the game will be decided by probably Pacheco. Meaning that if he gets 100 yards, I think the Chiefs could make it close, uh, but I don't anticipate that. I don't think they're. I think they're going to clamp down on him, and he'll, you know, be right around 40, 50 yards, and Baltimore uh, wins and goes to the Super Bowl. Now we know last week you took a lot of Kansas City money against
1: Buffalo, even though they were the underdog in that game as well too. A lot of money line action, and that that hurt the book. You know, the Can- the Kansas City victory over Buffalo hurt the book. Are you seeing much Kansas City money in this game against Baltimore?
3: A little bit. We, it, uh, it's um, it's not rolling in, but uh, there is some Kansas City support out there. I mean, they are the defending champions. You know. Mahomes continues to make a lot of plays. I'll give him that, uh, but it's hard for people to let go of the Chiefs. I mean, this is our kind of dynasty right now, and so they do get some support, not only from the general public, but also from some of the educated players out there. So it's not lopsided by any, any means. Even though we push it up to four, which uh, in our back room was the original number. Okay. But you decided to open it at three. The mark, yeah, the market we thought would push it down, so we went down to three. But again, we were not there very long, and we were one of the first three and a half to go to four. Mm-hmm. So it got to our number uh, a little faster than I thought it would. You know, but uh, mm-hmm. um, even though we moved it up that way, I'm telling you, there's definitely some support in, for Kansas City. Where do you think the line ends
1: up uh, Sunday at noon?
3: Right where it's at, or do you, what do you have to say? I, I think that uh, we'll probably be at four. There might be. I think it's four. What do you think, Marco?
2: Yeah, I don't. I don't think you're. You guys are going to go to four and a half. I don't think it can be enough money to get right. you to go to four and a half because the minute you do, huge buybacks. There's going to be buybacks yeah. left and right um, from the guys that just play numbers. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. you mm-hmm. you can't do that um, personally when. I talked uh, Sunday night. I put the game at four, four and a half was my number on it. Yeah. I'm not as high on Kansas City as everybody else is, and just for the reasons you said, they've really had an easy road to get here. Uh, you know, I know when you say oh, they went to Buffalo and won, they had every advantage in the world in that Buffalo game, not only because of the schedule, because of the injuries, but until Buffalo actually slays that dragon in the playoffs. Kansas City's living rent free in their heads. Okay, yeah. and it's hard to knock that team off. Once you do it for the first time, I wouldn't be surprised if you'd see Buffalo roll off four or five in a row against them. But till they get that first one, that's always the toughest one. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, I forgot to mention that. But that that schedule mm-hmm. for last year or last week when mm-hmm. Kansas City had two extra days yeah. of rest, yeah. that's a, that was a huge factor. And I think that's why a lot of sharps were on the Kansas City side, not to mention the injuries, especially on the defensive side that Buffalo uh, had going into that game. So, again, yeah, I agree with you, Mark. I'm not that impressed with Kansas City. I think it's the Kansas City team that we saw the last third of the season. They were really kind of struggling. You know, everybody thought they were just going to pop it out one of these times. They really haven't. Yeah. Yeah. So...
1: As much as we're talking about you know Kansas City here and you know going to Buffalo had their number. Buffalo was a missed field goal away from mm-hmm. sending this game into overtime more than likely. And if they would have had better play calling, they may have won the game on that last drive and just keep you know pushing it down. Because again, they got away from what got them there with the legs of Josh Allen and you know really kind of mixing up the play calling. Because they got very, very uh, conservative and redundant, especially in that fourth quarter where they went away. And, you know, they were running the ball on first down with, with Cook up the middle. But again, they, beautiful job in the first half. And even the, you know, third quarter about mixing things up and, and Kansas City, they had them on their heels. So it's just funny how, you know, we just think, oh, well, Buffalo's all banged up, this and that. Buffalo, they were in control of their own destiny in that game yeah at the end,
2: I were. think part of the problem at the end in the back of their mind is because they were moving the ball down the field and going for either the tying field goal or the winning touchdown in the back of their mind, he didn't want to leave too much time on the clock oh, I know. as well. we see that because, all the time and yeah. that I think had a big part of you know some of the play calling where you got a little bit less aggressive, you know, yeah, you don't want to turn the ball over, but I think that was it in. They can't forget the 13 seconds in the playoff game two years ago. You you score with 13 seconds left in the game. You think you won the game, okay? Not against Mahomes.
1: (laughs) All right. The late game, Detroit and San Francisco. San Francisco 7. Really haven't seen too much movement uh, line-wise. What's going on here?
3: We we see some San Francisco money coming in, uh, but we do expect Detroit to get their share. Uh, it feels like the whole country is rooting for the Lions, <laughs>
2: right?
3: Any, anybody outside of the state of California is probably rooting for the Lions, and uh, the, you know, remember, the general public really hasn't gotten a hold of these games yet, and mm-hmm. they will Saturday night and Sunday morning, and we expect you can see by the ticket count that the public is uh, hoping for the Lions. They're certainly rooting for them, um, but you know, we are, you know. A, pretty close to San Francisco, and we do have a lot of San Francisco fans in this city. And so you see a little bit uh, of both sides. And so th- right now it's very, very balanced, but I do expect to get a little bit more San Francisco money. I don't know where the big bets are going to come in. I think that's going to be interesting to see. But as far as the general public, I think it's going to be very balanced.
1: All right. From a handicapping standpoint here, let's let's stay with this game with San Francisco and uh, Detroit. Detroit. Which way are you leaning?
3: I I really don't like to bet the underdog like this unless I really, truly believe that they could win the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think being outdoors a little bit, being on the natural grass, and most likely it'd be a... I don't think it's going to be a real fast track. I really mm-hmm. don't. I yeah. think it's going to be a little soft, a little moist, mm-hmm. and uh, that's going to cause, you know, Goff and his receivers... You know some timing issues. I think San Francisco. I think they were. I think they underestimated the Packers last week. The Packers were really physical, and it's usually San Francisco that's really <laughs> physical. But I'm telling you, the Packers went in there and punched them in the mouth a couple of times, <laughs> and and I think that kind of surprised San Francisco a little bit. And um, I I think it's going to be a little different this time. I think San Francisco is going to be very, very physical. Uh, I don't think Detroit is as physical as Green Bay was the last third of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, you know, seven points, though, in a playoff game is a <laughs> lot of points. Um, but I guess I would lean towards the favorite again, even though I hate to say it.
1: Right. Okay. And then going back to the earlier game with Kansas City and Baltimore.
3: Uh, as far as handicapping-wise, mm-hmm. um, I I'm not a believer in Kansas City right yeah. now. I, I I think... Favorites uh, weekend. I, yeah, the, well, <laughs> the two best teams. And yeah. when we started the playoffs, it was those two teams and then a big gap right. for, until you found the third-ranked you know, ranked team. And uh, that still holds true today.
2: Mm-hmm. Most of the time, you guys don't want to see both favorites win. But I think that this is a weekend that both favorites result might be okay for you guys because, as you said... There's so much love for Mahomes built into to the dynasty there, and there, and I guarantee you, it'll, there's people out there that see Kansas City plus points and they just say it's like the Yankees in baseball. You know, if the Yankees are anywhere near a pick'em, oh, how often can I get the Yankees at this price? Well, you can't get Kansas City at that price very often. But as far as the lines go, I agree with you. They're the darling. In they are right now what the Chicago Cubs were for years until they finally won a world series they 're the lovable losers, and, and people want to root for them because it 's been so long since you know detroit thirty two years before they won a playoff game and everything else yeah, I get that i 'm hoping i 'm on can i 'm on San Francisco. I got it Sunday night when it first came out at six and a half, and that was you know gone relatively quick. But I'm waiting to see what the money line does, and I'm hoping that it's like the Super Bowl, where when you do get that walk up trade on Sunday, people go to the window. Oh, I got to lay 110 to win 100. No, I want to make money and bet the dog on the money line, bringing me a more attractive price on the money line. Mm -hmm.
1: What's your teaser on, TC? You know, it's funny because. After that game last week in it, with Buffalo and Kansas City, I was saying, you know, I'm probably going to be on Kansas City on a teaser. You know, get them over over ten. Now you could have them at ten and a half or eleven, but I've I've switched over the last few days just for everything that you guys are saying. That's been my take as well too. I just think that Baltimore is the best team, the most consistent team, and you know Kansas City has just been. Such, uh, um, a, a rough team to look at offensively, especially in the red zone. And I think you can't get away with that anymore. Okay. You were able to get away with it, obviously against the Dolphins, you know, handicapped it that way. And then Buffalo, to, you know, to a certain degree as well. But I just think, nah, this party really. Has got to come to an end here, and I think the way Buffalo run, or rather, Baltimore runs the football, the, the 156 yards a game, and they are going to run right at Kansas City. They're not going to run away from Chris Jones. They're going to run right at him. That's what Buffalo was doing in the first half. So I really believe that that uh, Baltimore is going to be able to hand, uh, have their way. I don't expect Lamar Jackson to have huge numbers, but you know maybe with his feet when he needs to. But they're going to ground and pound, and I think they're going to be more physical. And I think the Baltimore defense is, you know, has answers, you know, for the wide receivers uh, for Kansas City. So I'm leaning now towards going to Baltimore.
3: You know, going back to that Kansas City Buffalo game, where the injuries came in play in the uh, defensive backfield of Buffalo. There's a there, couple of linebackers were hurting out, a couple of cornerbacks uh, were out, uh, safety was out. And if they did play, a couple of them were not 100%. But there was some confusion in the the defensive backfield for the Buffalo, and that's why we saw Kelsey for the first time in weeks. He was wide open, and I just think that Kansas City was able to take advantage of the inexperience that was going on in the backfield, the defensive backfield for Buffalo. You will not have that in Baltimore. Yeah.
1: I agree. I agree, and I love San Francisco. Again, same same type of thing. I, uh, you're right. I said the same thing. Green Bay just they. They took it to San Francisco. I've never seen San Francisco really have two down games in a row, especially at home, uh, especially where the favorite. So I think that that was a wake-up call for them. And, um, you know, Detroit going back, I still can't get that out of my mind. You know, some of these other games I've seen with them, especially when the last time they were outside in the grass, Soldier Field, going back to November, it was 28-13. to They had a bunch of games at home, you know, over the last month and a half. And then when they were on the road, they were in Minnesota and they were in Dallas. Mm-hmm. So totally different situation. And you're right. The weather is not going to be great in San Francisco. It's going to be rainy and it's going to be a little bit windy. So, and we know that that uh, track there is not very w- w- good anyway. I mean, it's always sloppy. Yep. And, and uh, from what I heard this week, they were repla- they replaced the turf. Oh. So you're going to have new turf again there this week. So, you know, you're going to have cutting problems and all that. So hopefully San Francisco can get their cleats. Uh, And I think it's going to be a problem for Detroit.
3: Yeah, because that Detroit passing game relies on timing Mm -hmm. a lot. Right. And uh, that timing could be uh, an issue Mm -hmm. with a a so-called sloppy track.
1: Yeah. Yeah. All right, my friend. Looking forward to it uh, this weekend. Yeah. Looking forward to it. Good
3: day. It's always a good day on that championship, two games, you know, and it's not first thing in the morning. Right. Uh, you know, on, on the Pacific Coast here. Yeah. Uh, you know, we get a couple hours to sleep in a little bit, mm-hmm. and... uh you know, have some brunch,
1: Bloody Mary. <laughs> it's going to mirror last Sunday's divisional oh, yeah. round. The exact same yeah. thing, where you had those you know, those two good games, and now it's it's all on the line here. Do
2: You so. see the common denominator? Whether it doesn't matter which time of the game is, there's some kind of alcoholic beverage. You know, with the game with. The I game.
1: was going to say, you know, Jay and I have that His food. Gin, gin we have that joint. we have that food thing in common, but yeah. then he takes it over the top with goes to the alcohol. Yeah, you know, yeah, the gin, gin joint, Bloody yeah. Mary.
3: Yeah, yeah. Uh, see you guys later. <laughs> yeah.
1: And, and who was the guy that, that said that he was going into a dry New Year? That was him, you know? You don't hear that on, on, on many radio shows, especially on you know, handicapping you know segments. I was
3: dry from January 2nd through the 7th. Right? Yeah. Right. So I, I did have a dry January week. Okay.
2: <laughs> that wasn't technically a week, sir. <laughs> Second to the 7th is not full seven days. <laughs> All
3: right. We'll let you get
1: back to the paddock.
3: Thanks, guys. <laughs> there, there, there you go. All right, have a good
1: weekend. All right. All right. My guy, Jake Ortega, our gracious host here at the Westgate Las Vegas, the vice president of the Superbook. All right, we come back. We'll start breaking it down. Trevor Manich will join us next hour. And our best bets coming your way here on a football Friday, getting ready for the AFC and NFC championship right here, Westgate Las Vegas, inside the Superbook. Can you be high? In the entertainment capital of the world. It's the T.C. Martin show. It's been a
2: great third down defense the last two weeks. Steelers got an and a run back all
1: the way home. It's Spillane with the touchdown, on the pick six. It's time
0: to get your daily prescription from the doctor, T.C. Martin.
2: Mahomes drifting downfield, intercepted. His first of the season. Jeff Heath comes away.
0: Doctor is now in.
1: It is a Football Friday, hour number 2 right here at the Westgate Las Vegas, our Friday home. We love it here. No better place to come watch the games, wager on the games and eat the food here at the Westgate Las Vegas as well too. We appreciate Jay Cornegate and the whole crew here. Hour number 2 coming your way, Trevor Maddich will join us and we will start breaking down <laughs> The AFC and NFC Championship Games. Marco D'Angelo, my tag team partner, he is here. We've got college basketball. We are now kind of turned that page a little bit now where, okay, Saturday now is a dedicated college basketball time now. And Marco's been in that mode for the last couple weeks because he stays up all night. You and Scott Sprites are handicapping the heck out of all that. But, uh, yeah, no football on Saturday. We've got the two games on Sunday. So, uh, looking forward to diving into uh, more and more college basketball here, starting tomorrow. A whole bunch of good games too tomorrow as well.
2: Well, this is the time of the year. You know, teams are making their moves. Uh, you know, jockeying for position in conference uh, races and getting set for conference tournament time, and then of course March Madness. And I've told you many times, TC, I love conference play in college basketball that's when I really get locked into college basketball I'm not a big fan of the early season stuff uh you know because you got teams that don't play each other on a regular basis and I know there's a lot of guys that love it I know you know Scott he's the opposite he really loves the early uh basketball and he feels he has a you know good edge there and he's done very well over the years um so you know yeah I would love it too but my bread and butter is uh, January, February, and March for college basketball, and especially Conference Tournament Week. That's one of the most hectic weeks of handicapping because it's unlike any other time of the year. Because, you know, when we leave here tonight, you know what my Friday night routine is the lines are out, I, I work on the games, and we do it. But in Conference Tournament Week, they're playing back to back to back days as you. Continued advance, and you can't get a number until that game's over from the night before of what you're looking at. And, you know, a lot of late nights, and then you got to handicap momentum. Then you got to check, you know, make sure of injury reports. If anybody left, the, you know, one of those games, you know, you don't have that. 24-48 hour period between you know, games like you normally would have uh, during the week in, uh, conf- in college basketball. So fun time of the year, stressful time, but it can be very profitable. You do your homework.
1: Yeah, and uh, kudos to you and Scott for both having the 7-footers uh, team last night. The USF Dons, they go into Gonzaga, keep that game close. They covered the the 9, and uh, that thing was nip and tuck all the way through. So that was a, that was a good call. By you guys, and a good call for me because I teased Gonzaga.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you and those teasers. Actually, you type. know what?
1: Actually, I take that back, Marco. I didn't tease that. I went Moneyline Parlay. I'm kicking myself that I didn't tease it because, you know, I didn't make as much money on the Moneyline Parlay.
2: But you didn't have to sweat as much either. Yeah,
1: and, and the other game, you like There's this a- one. You know the other game I, te- I teamed it with? No. Oregon. Okay. They crushed Arizona they State did. last yep. night. Yep. They did.
2: Yeah. But the, anyway. uh, Going to Gonzaga. There's just I I've watched this team this year and there's just something missing. I, I don't know what it is. You know, we're so used to how good they are and oh, how dominant they I'll are. I'll tell you what
1: it is. It's 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 the scoring. They do not yeah. have the depth. And again, now you have a point guard in Nemhart who came over from um you know, from uh Creighton and he goes to Gonzaga, but they don't have that that perennial, you know other guard score that can light it up and they don't have that dominant post player like they've had with Timmy. They just don't have that depth and they're a younger team. And again, it's not a team that, uh, now they'll still, you know, put up 80, 85, 90 points a game against the lesser opponents in the WCC. But, uh, you know, I've seen San Francisco so many times and know that program so well. Uh, they are very, very inconsistent when they're hitting their threes, they'll hang around when they're not. Uh, but I just figured, you know, they're not going to be able to beat Gonzaga, but they have an opportunity to keep a close. And that's what normally happens with this team all the time. Like you talk about, you know, Buffalo or, you know, Kansas City being Buffalo's head from a football perspective. That's the way it is with this school. It's like, OK, you know, we've come close to Gonzaga, but, you know, we just we just can't beat them. And they've had. Several games had been single digit games, and that's the way that one played out last night. So when I saw the line at nine, you and I we were Bloody at dinner the night before, and I said, Mm, okay." Uh, I, I remember you asked me, "Go, oh, what do you think it's going to be?" I go, "It's going to be like nine, nine and a half." Sure, it was, but yeah, I was hoping that. I was thinking maybe they'll push it up to double digits, uh, but then that gets me in that teaser or money line mode when I'm in an eight or a nine to tease it down where they basically just got to win the game.
2: And the one thing that San Francisco did have going for them, and, and I say this on your show all the time and any show that I do, revenge is the most overused word in sports. Unless it's a team where you're talking playoff revenge, conference tournament revenge, and that was the case... For San Francisco, remember last year here in Vegas, it was, you were at the game with the big seven footer and I was sweating. Uh, I think I had a total in that game and I I was sweating the, the under. Yeah. Uh Down the stretch, it, it was a stone cold under, it was, and they yeah. kept falling and throwing up threes yeah. in the final two minutes. And yeah. you're at the game, oh, you're good, you're good, and we all know how that usually works out when you give me those tags. And you were good on that one, yeah, <laughs> on, on that one, okay. But yeah, I, I went from a you know a rocking chair winner to sweating down. A, a and, and
1: again, you always want to say. I always tell you about, you know, these teasers, and uh, I, I'm gonna say it to you. All right. I'm telling you about these totals. I'm not a totals guy. You love these totals, and you're either you either sweating bullets all the time, and you rarely have these easy winners. So here, I'm just gonna say this. You know, I've said it before, I'm gonna say it <laughs> okay. again, okay? Just for everybody, all right. I do I am only handicapping the way a coach or a player thinks. No player, no coach gives a darn okay, about wh- how many points that team scores or what the pace is or whatever it is, they handicap and play the game and coach the game to win the game. Totals are are, are, are are a thing that is so hit and miss because I want to be in the minds of the players and the coaches. I want to be in that mindset, and the total is nowhere near a mindset of anybody in that organization.
2: I'm gonna just. I'm gonna totally disagree with you. I'm telling you, that's it. it. It's It's like they're not thinking. Okay, we're gonna. We we want to score in the 70s. no. They have a game plan of their what they want to accomplish on the game that gives them the in the game to give them the best chance to win. Okay, whether they're focused on winning the game. Okay, whether it was. Jim Beheim with his two three zone matchup zone yeah. and you know you're gonna force that team to beat you from the outside and that particular team doesn't shoot well from the arc. Yeah, that's gonna handicap that's factored into my handicapping mm-hmm. for a total. Uh, Don Chaney and Temple, you're gonna tell me the his game plans or the Princeton coach. Uh, but all those totals are skewed to that. They're skewed. Those are lower totals because
1: of that. I'm just telling you front as a coach and a player and all that stuff, they're not thinking that way. They're not thinking the way you're thinking or, or handicappers are thinking when they're betting totals. Like this week, okay, San Francisco, uh, you know, in, in Detroit, okay? Uh, or it's going to go over because, you know, both teams... You know, I have these great wide receivers, this and that, da, da, da. But especially from a basketball perspective, you never go into it and say, okay, we want to keep this game in the fifties. You, you're not thinking that you're going to play lockdown defense. You're going to run your offense. You're, you're there to score. You're there to win. They, they're not thinking like, Hey, let's win this game. You know. 132 to 130 like in the NBA or something like that. Hey, we're going to keep this game in the 90s. It just it d- doesn't apply. So I, that's all I'm saying is that I don't I don't it's I don't want to handicap. I don't I I'm, I'm trying to handicap the game itself and I and I want to be on the side that the coach and the players mindset. I want to have that same mindset that they have. Not just taking a whim, like oh, I think it's gonna, you know, go over or it's gonna go under. I mean, that's I never, I
2: never, I never put money on. Oh, I think I, I have reasons why I think the way. Every
1: one of your stories that I hear is a total story about. Oh, I thought I was in the easy chair. This, then all of a sudden, the three fest went off. You can't control that. You can't handicap that. You can't handicap that. A team, you know, shooting twenty five percent from three one night and forty eight percent,
2: you know, the other night. You know, if you have a team down nine points and and they continue to foul for the final three minutes of the game, yeah, and then it, and it goes over by three points, yeah, you had a you had a bad yeah. beat. It happens. Yeah, it happens. Yeah, just like any 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 game can happen. There's value there, and the reason why I end up sweating more games is because I will say this much: I probably bet more unders than I bet overs, and if you talk to most sharp guys they're going that's going to be their portfolio you know like yeah. uh, uh, you know when you're buying stocks you 're going to be betting unders because you know there's more value in the under than the over because the betting public never likes right. to bet unders and, and
1: the thing is when I have play totals i 'm an under guy because again, I want to root for the clock <laughs> you know. <laughs> I want to root for the clock. That's what I'm, I'm saying.
2: Sometimes know. it seems like that clock standing still, doesn't it? Does, it?
1: it does. It, it, it does at times. Yeah. So, anyway, um, Michigan State is playing Wisconsin tonight, and this is like the only
2: – That's re- the marquee decent, game. It's the marquee,
1: yeah, thank you. It's the marquee game. But it's really weird that we're starting to get a little bit more because Friday's always was dead for – college basketball this is the ivy league and that's about it now you can find the ivy league games now and uh now we're starting to see the you know like the big 10 having like a a friday night game not sure how i feel about it but again it will draw my attention to that game i know wisconsin is a three and a half point favorite michigan state has been very disappointing this year but they are starting to play a little bit better basketball the last couple weeks
2: It's Tom Izzo basketball, okay? It's watching the movie Groundhog Day on Endless Loop. He is a coach, and it's why I love Izzo so much. He doesn't care what his record is in November, okay, or December. And you know what his record was? It was 4-5. and He started the season 4-5. and He played Arizona in the beginning of the season. He played another – I forget who the other team was. He played two big guns early in the season – you know that were losses on the road. Uh, he gets his te- He uses November and December to get his team. That'd be Duke. He's Duke. About- uh, yes. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. To get his team ready for. The stretch run in February and March Madness, and they're always peaking at the right time. The those losses early in the season against better. What do you gain from playing a, a cupcake or a little sister of the poor, and you win by thirty points, and you start your season eight and zero? Okay, but you've not been tested. All right, you, you you don't have players in you know game deciding, you know late games where you're tight, you know because that's going to happen in the tournaments. He's won eight of his last ten games. They're coming into the tournament at the right or season. They're peaking at the right time. They already played Wisconsin earlier in the year. And it's another angle that I like. You got drilled, they got drilled too. They got drilled at home. Okay, that was, that was that yeah. was first week of December. It was December fifth, I believe. And they weren't. They're not the same team now that they were then. I, I just got done saying revenge is the most overused. But there's certain situations that I, like. I like taking a road dog in the second meeting because generally you're going to get some line value. The team that won the first meeting on the road gets that little false sense of security. Oh, we already beat you on the road. Now we're at home, you know. We just got to show up, you know. And the line, to be honest with you, when you look at it, you look at the standings. Wisconsin's number one in the Big Ten right now. They're 15-4 and four on the season. And they're at home and they're only laying three, three-and-a-half. Mm-hmm. That looks pretty inviting to grab Wisconsin, considering they already beat them by more than that at Michigan State. That's the way a lot of the average bettors are going to look at that game. Uh, so I am on Michigan State tonight. Uh, it should be a good game. And they've done this the last couple of years uh, with putting, you know, one or two games on Friday night. The, you know, the Pac-12 has been doing it as well. And it gets the conference, you know, a standalone game. Get you some TV money, and you know, I, I don't have a problem with it because I got tired of trying to handicap Penn and uh, Princeton, right. and Colgate right. and Cornell. Come on, Pete Carrill, you know, you've
1: going to yes. keep the game in
2: the fifties, dude. You know, <laughs> no if, if they got higher IQs than me, I'm not going right. to handicap them.
1: Here, here's <laughs> what I worry about with Michigan State. Okay, they finally won a road game by two points on Sunday against uh, at Maryland. But you, they've played four conference road games. That's been their last four road games. And they got beat soundly in every one of those except that last game at Maryland. So it, they are totally a different team home and away. Now, they've blasted opponents at home over the last month during that <laughs> win streak that you're talking about. But would you say six out of eight? They've,
2: eight way, and two, last ten. Eight and two out two of their last ten, ten.
1: exactly. And, um, again, those two uh, you know lo- losses were you know on the road in those. But... Yeah, um, they have struggled on the road, but I probably could be talked into taking Sparty on a teaser tonight <laughs> up to about nine and a half. If you laugh. What's wrong with that? You like him at three and a half. Why wouldn't you like him at nine and a half?
2: I don't bet teasers in basketball. Oh the my va- goodness. The variance of uh, the scoring.
1: Yeah, we have this conversation all the uh, time. I know. Every we do. year. And, and, and I always point it out to you. And, and instead of saying, yeah, you know, you're right. I mean, so many times I've said, look at this. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. And instead of saying, yeah, maybe I should look at that, you just laugh. Uh, Because it's like... It's a loser turned into a winner. It's maximizing the line as much as you can. I want
2: you to... I'm going to give you a homework assignment, okay? For the next month, all of the teasers that you've played, okay, I want you to write down at the end what your actual record would have been on those particular games if you just played the game... At the point spread, right? and see how much, see if there's that much of a difference. I just, I just because there's got to be a big difference because you, you're laying, you know, you're, you're laying juice on the teaser. Okay, now basketball's you're not laying, like football. Yeah, you're laying minimal juice okay, on it. Two like, it's not like you're football. It's not like Like
1: one thirty for a six point teaser. But then again, like I said, I'm a big proponent of the three team teaser because I want the plus money and see. I feel, like, hey, I'm a good enough handicapper. I can find three games on a card just about every night. If I can't, then I won't play it. Just do,
2: do it do it for me for a month and, and see what the, the difference is. Like it a lot me. of work. Oh, yeah, it does seem like a lot of work <laughs> I for like you. But I Marco, just,
3: you realize who you're talking to, right?
2: I do. I, I, as it was coming out of my mouth, I, I'm I'm like, you know, I see this glassy-eyed look. It's a, it's he looked a, like Stafford when he got hit in the first you know, the playoff game you're, on, you're, on the you're turf. You're
1: cutting into my food time. That's what it <laughs> sounds like. <laughs> 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 you know? Oh, my goodness. I don't know. I just, just remember. Just seems like all the time. It's like, oh, oh that see, was that was see, a loser it for Seems me. is, is not
2: actual documentation. If you do that exercise one time for one month, do you know how many times
1: we've had this conversation last bas- last two basketball seasons? I'm trying to help you out, and I'm winning. That's what I'm saying. And and I point to you, and you go, it's it, it's you know nothing against you, but you have had the loser on that side and said, I'm taking the mm-hmm. teaser to win that. Now it doesn't happen all the time, but I'm just saying, it's just if. You know, you know what a wise, wise old handicapper would always tell me, and it still does. Says, "Dude, if you if you got something that's working for you and you're cashing tickets, continue it."
2: I. So the speechless. Just, no, I'm not. I'm crickets, because, please. No, because you won't look and see how many of those tickets you're cashing. You would have cashed anyways, betting that's, those teams again, single. That's a
1: scene. You, you, you can't. That's a generalized statement with no factual documentation. That's why I'm telling it. you to
2: do the documentation of it. Mm-hmm. Do the documentation why, of, of why? those three times. So, to so
1: for, to just not play a teaser. To see, see that you're, you could make more money. I hope the other you're way. not. I really hope because you sound like you're one of these guys that are so anti teaser. You have to remember, and you know this, and Jay Cornegay, John Murray, they'll tell you this. <laughs> they get killed on teasers. That's why the juice Only is the so much. And college football as well, too. That's why you've got to lay 140, 150,
2: 160. Only on NFL teasers. Any bookmaker will few, tell you NFL few, teasers. Fewer they're games. Not, they're not going. They're not going to tell you that they get they get killed on teasers in basketball. <laughs> yeah. They're not going to tell you that if they do. They're they're lying. I I want to have a polygraph machine with them when but they say it.
1: Doesn't matter. Teaser,
0: teaser. Uh, okay? okay. It doesn't
1: matter the sport because I'm playing it in football and I'm playing it in basketball. Oh, anti basketball or whatever. But it's like there's a reason why teasers going back 25 years ago. You were laying 120, and then it went to 130 forever, and then it went to 140, and now it's gone to 150 in some places here, like 160. Why is that? because people are hitting them cuz if you can and, 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 and like jay says they are scared to death when these guys come in and hammer teasers because again it is a profitable way to
2: go any uh, again that's the NFL it yeah. is the NFL there was actually you know a, a sports book i won't call them out a couple of years ago there was the first round of the playoffs and every game that weekend of the playoffs it was the wild card round didn't matter which side you you teased won and they actually panicked And the next week they did they took teasers off the board the second week of the playoffs Mm. pretty pretty big outfit i remember no i remember okay you know what you know what the most stupidest part of it was is that next week I think three of the four games were three point lines, which are the worst for teasing because if you're teasing, unless you know, you're not supposed to tease three up. And as I tell you, you're not supposed to tease through zero. So that's the best week for a book not to get drilled on teasers is a week where all of the numbers are three and they. Took the teasers off the board.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I remember it. Okay. It was crazy. Yeah. All right. When we come back, Mm -hmm. we start breaking down the. Championship games: Kansas City, Baltimore, and uh, Detroit, and San Francisco. And we'll also dive into our best bets as well. Plus, we'll give you some NFL news uh, as well, too. Uh, coaching changes, and of course, during the course of the week, we've talked a lot about the Raiders and uh, holding that joint press conference a couple days ago. Tom Talasco, the now the general manager for the Raiders, coming over from the Chargers, and Antonio Pierce, the head coach the official head coach now, the interim tag uh, taken off of him. So they held that jil, uh, joint press conference a couple of days ago. We'll get some, uh, some uh, talk about that as well, too, as we continue on here on a fabulous football Friday here at the Westgate Las Vegas. The Sacramento Sports Hall of Fame celebration is back Sunday, February 4th at Thunder Valley Casino. Meet and greet the class of 2024. Matt Barnes, James Donaldson, Leon Lee, and Jamie Whitmore. Don't miss Sacramento's best sports night of the year. Food served between 6 and 7 p.m. Live entertainment with comedian Dennis Gaxiola. Get your tickets now at Ticketmaster.com for the Sacramento Sports Hall of Fame
3: celebration Sunday night, February 4th. All info, go to SACSportsHOF.com. Hey, this is Steve Heitner, and you're listening to T.C. Martin. He's huge,
2: baby. The
1: Superbook here on a Football Friday. T.C. Martin, Marco D'Angelo in the house. Go to WagerTalk.com for Marco's selections. Does not matter the sport, whether it's uh, the NBA, college basketball, the NFL, go check it all out there at wagertalk.com. Subscribe to Marco's Plays. All right, we continue on here at the Westgate Las Vegas on a football Friday. Looking forward to the AFC and NFC Championships, their uh, conference championship games. We will uh, dive into that. I uh, want to talk about some more head coaching you know, news You know, coming down the pike. So Atlanta hires Raheem Morris as their head coach. Raheem Morris, you remember him, was a Tampa Bay Buccaneers head coach from 2009 to 2011. He was with the Rams the past three seasons as their defensive coordinator and did a fine job. And He did a fine job before he was a head coach as a defensive coordinator at the other stops. But in those three seasons that he was at Tampa Bay, his record was 17-31. and 31. Now, Atlanta had conversations with Bill Belichick. And when Belichick decided that he was going to leave and they parted ways there in New England, that was a circle job for him. And he wanted that job. He went through two interviews with the Atlanta Falcons and Arthur Blank, their owner. Mike Vrabel also went through a couple interviews. They also interviewed Jim Harbaugh as well. They went through 14 candidates. And Arthur Blank probably blew it again. This is a team that continues to do the same thing over and over again, going with a quote unquote hot coordinator, whether it's an offensive coordinator or defensive coordinator, and it hasn't worked. And I really thought that they would probably go in a different direction, try something new, as you had several established legendary head coaches that you actually interviewed and we're interested in your job. And he goes to
2: Raheem Morris. This blows me away. Yeah, I mm-hmm. what blows me away more is what happened that he didn't go for Bill Belichick because you know, it all indications were Belichick wanted the job. Mm-hmm. You know, this is a team that you know, again, and I I've said it, I think Belichick's only sticking around to try to, you know, get the record and everything else, but this was a team that was in the sophist division. Mm-hmm had talent a lot of talent around at certain spots except the quarterback that was the, that was the question mark and maybe there were some you know flashbacks to new england with what he had quarterback wise the last couple of years but i thought this job was belichick's for the taking and it never got you know we've never heard that it was offered or, or rejected or or anything like That is just they moved on to another candidate right so that's where uh, there's something not being said here. And I'm curious if it's on the Belichick side saying, no, I didn't want it. Or Atlanta said, no, we're done. You know, I,
1: going in this direction, it kind of tells me, if you're going to go through two interviews with Belichick, you already got an idea of, of what you're getting and what he's going to want. Now, sure, he's going to want to you know, have control or at least a decent amount of control over personnel decisions and that sort of thing. We get that. But no, I disagree with you that you know he's hanging on he's Bill Belichick's not a guy he's hanging on for any type of records. He's a lifer. This is all this guy have has in his life. And kinda of like Nick Saban to a certain degree. But definitely Belichick. I mean, he could have bailed out of New England years ago after Tom Brady left. But no, he he just this is you know, that's what what he does and he's not ready to hang it up yet. So And then maybe could have even interviewed Pete Carroll or had a conversation. But, you know, there are guys out there. So many times you don't have the experienced head coach that is leaving a place and and is available. And But so many uh, owners now and general managers and presidents are just so locked into coordinator, coordinator, coordinator. And I guarantee the same thing is going to happen. Three years from now, they're going to be looking for somebody else. It's just, if you've had zero success, and the Atlanta Falcons had zero success, they had zero success going this route, why not try a different route? Especially if it's a veteran like Belichick or even Harbaugh,
2: who wants the job? What's What surprised me more of the name that's still out there, you, know, you say you got Belichick, you got uh, Pete Carroll, Mike Vrabel still Mike out Vrabel? Yeah. I, you know... I could see if owners are concerned with the way the league's going, you don't want those old school guys. Mm. I get that, but Rabel's in the middle there. Okay. Yeah. He's not the young guy off the coordinator boat, you know, and he's got experience, but yet he's not too old that you know the game's passed him by. Right. Why not him? Yeah.
1: All right, let's go to our good friend Trevor Manich who joins us now. Uh, Trev, you hear us talking about the coaching. You and I talked about the Raiders situation with with uh, Tom Telesco being named general manager the other day along with um, Antonio Pierce and how that tandem is going to work. How about some thoughts uh, with Atlanta's
0: decision to go with Raheem Morris? You know, it's interesting that uh, that Bill Belichick didn't get any of those jobs. You know, there were, what, other than the Patriots, there were, what was it, seven jobs that were open, and timing's important here, too. But the Patriots didn't make the playoffs, and so, you know, the the fact that Bill Belichick became available, there were some multiple jobs open, and it's interesting looking at the trajectory, because Bill Belichick is clearly one of the greatest coaches of all time. But he never won without Bill Brady, anything of significance, or excuse me, uh, Tom Brady, mm-hmm. anything of significance. You know, Cleveland, he didn't win much with the Patriots. Without without Brady, now with Drew Bledsoe, before Brady, he, he won. But then things really took off, and all the Super Bowls happened with, with Brady, essentially. And then when Brady left, there was the big controversy of whether or not Brady left because he just couldn't stand Belichick anymore because Belichick mismanaged Brady to the degree that Brady just had to leave. So then you had Brady go to Tampa, Belichick stays at New England, and we could answer the question to some degree, which uh, was more responsible for all those Super Bowls? I mean, clearly both contributed, but which was more responsible, if any? Well, Brady goes on to win a Super Bowl with Tampa, whereas the Patriots fell completely off the map without Brady, but with Belichick. And so, to me, the 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 overriding big picture on this from a fan standpoint is you've got one of the greatest coaches, if not the greatest NFL coach of all time, Bill Belichick, when his one quarterback that he had the great championship success with left, not only did his current team, the Patriots, fall off the map, but when they essentially asked him to resign invited him to continue his coaching career elsewhere nobody else wanted him mm. that is super weird as a from a big picture standpoint it's just you know again there's you know what what atlanta needs to do they you know they went with a younger guy they went with a guy that uh you know would bring a fresh perspective uh and, and i can understand that but it, it almost seems that with Vrabel, Mike Vrabel getting bounced from the Titans and with other Josh McDaniels, other Belichick disciples not having a lot of success as head coaches. It almost seems like the feeling around the ownership circles is that, okay, the Patriot way, does the Patriot way work if you don't have a Tom Brady on board? Mm -hmm. And so these are things I think that uh, are Kind of boat anchors on the the Bill Belichick hiring process. Mm-hmm.
1: You know, uh, you're in that neck of the woods there, in Nashville in Tennessee, and uh, the Titans dismiss uh, Vrabel and then they hire Brian Callahan as their head coach. I mean, five years as a uh, offensive coordinator with uh, Cincinnati. And I guess they're looking for someone to you know to develop Will Levis. So obviously Ryan Tannehill's time is done there. Uh, what are your What are your thoughts about why Bra- Vrabel was let go there in
0: Tennessee and, and the hire of Callahan? I think the Patriot way kind of yeah. kind of wore out its welcome there. In Nashville locally, <laughs> Vrabel sounded a lot like Belichick in all of his press conferences, where he wouldn't answer questions. He was gruff with the media. He would obfuscate and obscure. And, and I'm fine with that if a coach wants to do that. I don't think a, a head coach in the NFL needs to spill the beans to the public. He just needs to win games, right? But what ended up happening was that concept of, of tough defense, which the Titans played for a while, tough running game, which they had until their offensive line imploded about three years ago, and they weren't able to really get it back up to speed. They, they never did have that level of Brady quarterback, and so they never were able to succeed. And so, you know, going with an offensive coach, a relatively young offensive coach, I think was a good move for a variety of reasons. One is that the Titans are building a new stadium now, and they want to give fans a reason to come out and watch exciting football as they try to sell season tickets and PSLs and all the rest, right? But also because, guys, the this is now a quarterback league. I mean, just look at what the Houston Texans did this year. They brought in a rookie quarterback, well, high in the draft. And then with the next pick, uh, their next pick, they also picked very high in the draft. I think it was number two and three, if I remember correctly, they picked a pass rusher, Will Anderson Jr. And then CJ Stroud was the quarterback. So they got a quarterback and they got a guy to disrupt the other team's quarterback. And they went from being one of the dregs of the league to a playoff team. And they're one of the exciting teams in the league. And so it's a quarterback league. You, either, you need a quarterback, and then you need to degrade the other guy's quarterback. And your coaching staff needs to reflect that. And continuity is a very important thing. That's one of the advantages of having an offensive-minded head coach, that when your offensive coordinator goes off to become a head coach somewhere else, you don't, you don't bring in a new offensive coordinator with differences in his style and terminology and the rest that your quarterback needs to then learn before he can apply it at the highest speed possible. You've already got the head coach who will make sure the offense remains consistent for that quarterback and the new offensive coordinator will put his own stamp on it, but he'll need to learn what's already happening there and apply his terminology to what the quarterback already knows, which helps the quarterback. That's what happened in, in New England with Brady. I mean, every offensive coordinator that came in there put their own stamp on it, but it's not like they just said, okay, Tom, we're going to change the system, right? And having an offensive-minded head coach in Tennessee, that's what they wanted to do. Now, the Raiders with Antonio Pierce, Young, defensive-minded coach. Patriots with Gerard Mayo. Young, defensive-minded coach. You know, there are several of those that have been in there, so they're going to need to make sure that their offenses remain consistent enough that their quarterbacks aren't always starting from zero if they get a good offensive coordinator who gets hired away.
1: Trevor Maddox joins us talking about uh, the news and notes here in the NFL. All right, let's get uh, cracking here on Sunday's games. we got Kansas City and Baltimore. Baltimore, a four-point favorite. And then San Francisco, seven, still staying pretty rock solid there over Detroit. We'll get into our best bets here uh, in just a moment or two. But, uh, Trevor, first let's start with this Kansas City-Baltimore thing. What kind of football game do you anticipate seeing as you know the Kansas City Chiefs obviously this is like kind of dynasty material they're going on the road for the second consecutive week uh looked pretty good uh in Buffalo last week and then now Baltimore hosting this game uh, it's been a long time since the Ravens have hosted an AFC championship game what's going to happen here brother
0: well the, the overall big picture is the the fact that you've got two of the greatest quarterbacks of their generation I mean you've got Patrick Mahomes, who's probably the best quarterback in the NFL, multiple Super Bowl winner with a whole lot more to come. And then you've got the multiple league MVP in Lamar Jackson. That's just going to be a fantastic matchup. I think it's not a matter of, in terms of winning this game, which quarterback performs the best. I think they'll perform at at a high level. I don't think either defense will do a whole lot to stop the other quarterback. The question is, Which defense can stop the other quarterback's friends? And that's where I think Baltimore has an advantage. I mean, these are the top two scoring defenses in the regular season, top two sacking defenses in the regular season. But Baltimore's defense is largely intact. I mean, they don't have a whole lot of injury problems, although their corner, Marlon Humphrey, is listed as questionable, so that could be an issue. But I don't know that the – the Chiefs are going to be able to take too much advantage of that because their receiver situation is not terribly dynamic. On the other side, though, the Chiefs have got all kinds of injury problems in in key places. I mean, they've got an all-pro left guard, Joe Tooney, who's been ruled out with a pec injury that he suffered last week in the playoff game against the Bills. And then they've got guys on all three levels of the defense, defensive line, linebacker, and secondary, that are listed as questionable, guys that are banged up. And this is going against a very physical Ravens team. They're just going to have to hold up physically even though they're they're banged up. And so I think that Mahomes, the Ravens will stop him in his own right. But I think they'll do a better job of slowing down the people around him. Now, when you talk about specifically the receivers for the Chiefs, they're just not very exciting. Right. Rashid Rice, the rookie, has been their best wide receiver down the stretch. Kadarius uh, Tony is question blank. He might even be out. <clears throat> but Travis Kelsey is 34 years old. He's uh, still playing at a pretty good level. He's 6'5", 250. And the safeties and linebackers for the Ravens can run with him. And they can match up from a height standpoint, depending on who they put on it. Kyle Hamilton, Ravens' safety is 6'4", 220. And he's, he's phenomenal at covering tight ends exactly like Travis Kelsey. And so I, I think that they'll the Ravens will do a good job of limiting the big plays of Kelsey in this game, and if they limit that, then where else is he going to go? Well, they'll run the ball with Isaiah Pacheco, right? Well, Pacheco is listing this questionable as well. Like it's a it's a lower body injury on on Pacheco, the Chiefs' running back. So these things all add up to that this is not the Chiefs at their best from a health standpoint and a rest standpoint. Ravens they're almost fully intact. They're laying four in Baltimore. I'll take the Ravens and lay the points okay all right
1: we get to uh, the afternoon game with San Francisco in Detroit again you know San Francisco had that scare last week uh, against the Packers Detroit. Been playing exceptionally well, but they've had they've won two playoff home games. Now they go on the road. Trev, how much are you buying into the the speed factor that Detroit has, especially at running back and wide receivers? I know you're a big Jameer Gibbs fan. We all are, but uh, are you buying into that? You know, facing that San Francisco defense on the road on the grass outside and maybe some sloppy conditions
0: is going to hamper the Lions. Well, that will take away some of their explosiveness because. Of just the, the nature of the surface, when you're playing indoors on a carpet, everything is pristine, and you can be as fast as you can possibly be at all times. But you've got to understand how to slow down your cuts, how to you know chop your field a little bit instead of one cut and go. Sometimes, which the 49ers play at home all the time on that field, and so they'll they'll play at a higher theoretical potential or level of their potential than then the Lions probably will. And keep this in mind that since about week 13 or 14, the Lions haven't been outdoors on grass. And when they were, uh, they they played at the Bears. And I think they only scored like 13 points. They, they weren't that great. Uh, credit to the Bears, but at the same time, it's just a different surface. Now, having said that, the Lions have, um, with their speed at running back, still, I think, have ways to give the 49er defense a lot of headaches. The 49ers over the last month of the season have been awful at stopping outside runs. And Jameer Gibbs, David Montgomery, these guys can get out there, especially Gibbs. And they have all kinds of outside runs the Lions do that take advantage of that kind of a vulnerability. They can pull guys out. They can crack back with the receivers coming down. They've got all kinds of play action off of that as well. And the 49ers will need to stop that first in order to be able to slow down the rest of this Lions offense. I expect the Lions to really focus there with the running game in general and outside runs in particular. And even though the speed will not be as explosive – I think that the vulnerability of the 49ers in that is something that the Niners will have to show that they have fixed because the Lions are fully capable of exploiting it if the 49ers are not
2: fully back on their game. Hmm. Trevor, I got a question for you because – Part of both of my plays this week, this is a part of the basis uh, for it, but last week you had the Ravens had a very bad first half doll effort. You had the 49ers doll effort, and those were your two number one seeds. Both of them had their number one seed clinched before the final week of the season, so not only did they have the bye week the week before uh, when we were at the wild card round, they also sat the starters the final week of the regular season we hear the saying rest versus rust you being a former player these key players for those two teams hadn't taken a meaningful snap in 20 or 21 days is that a factor to get back to game speed at the start of those games last
0: week you know i think last week that was a a a factor uh, and you could tell it was a factor, especially with the 49ers and the 49ers lost Debo Samuel. They're all everything, you know, receiver slash running back slash, slash, you know, line them up anywhere and do stuff in the first quarter to injury. And he, he still is, has got that shoulder injury. So we'll see how effective he could be in this game against the Lions. That's actually a huge factor in this game is, is what Samuel can do because so much of the offense works through him and so much of the matchup formation slash motion slash everything else that they want to get him him on the matchups go through what those matchups are against Samuel in any given situation and so I'm not sure how much of the 49ers poor performance on offense had to do with the fact that they had to kind of shift away from what they intended to do with Debo now at the same time though Marco you're absolutely right about the nature of that of that rust uh, you know i way back in the day these are just some examples that that stand out i remember the 49ers with steve young were uh, were just awesome one year and they they i don't think they were they weren't undefeated but they were nearly undefeated and they just were on a roll at the end of the season just on a roll and i was worried about it because you just it's hard to keep up that consistency all the time they crushed I think it was the Vikings at the end of the regular season Um, it wasn't the Vikings it was somebody else Then they played I think the Vikings in the first playoff game and the 49ers were uh, were beaten then because that's when they took a step back it wasn't because of rust it was because of consistency Mm -hmm. right And then you look at Rust. I mean, from personal experience in college, the Holiday Bowl gained its reputation as being an exciting bowl game because of my team, BYU. We were locked into that bowl as a uh, conference affiliation with the bowl, and we were a passing team. And... At the, between the end of the regular season and the holiday bowl, we weren't able to practice to the degree that we could simulate a game because you just can't do it. We got to the ball game. We ended up falling behind in the first half, and then we'd mount a furious comeback in the second half. Sometimes we'd win, sometimes we wouldn't, but it was always exciting for the fans. And it's because of that rust versus um, versus rest. So you got the two problems. One is that you know, you, if you're consistent all the time and you're great all the time, you're going to have a letdown. The other is, if you don't play for a while, it takes you a little bit of time to get back up to speed. And I think both the Ravens and the 49ers had that rust versus rest lull last week, but now I think it's not a thing anymore. And now I think the rest, since they survived last week, certainly the 49ers survived the, the, Ravens ended up thriving, had a great second half. Uh, I think now the advantage goes all the way to those number one seeds because now they are more rested and less banged up. All
1: right.
0: Favorite, favorite, favorites
1: weekend. We talked about it last weekend and looking at it this weekend as well too. Let's see where everyone's going with their best bet. It's Football Friday and time for the weekend's action. Here's the best bets. All right, we're going to give you our best one of the two games. It could be either be a side or a total. Trevor Maddich, Marco D'Angelo, TC Martin, with you here at the Westgate. Let's hear it, Trevor. You
0: got one this week. Who's it going to be? Well, I kind of I kind of spilled the beans, but I do like I do like the Ravens um, laying four against the Chiefs. And, and it is because of the injuries on the Chiefs. What a great quarterback matchup. But the, on both sides of the ball, Lamar Jackson's team is almost fully healthy. On both sides of the ball, Patrick Mahomes' team has some key injuries. And I think that's going to be the difference. Mahomes will do everything he can do. To be just phenomenal and awesome and to, to win like everybody expects him to win and Taylor in the, in the box and all the rest of it. But I think the Ravens are going to be able to greatly limit his best receiver coming into this game wide receiver, Rashi Rice, the rookie with their coverage schemes. And I think that they will be able to limit Travis Kelsey, who's banged up, and he's 34 years old for goodness sake. They've got the linebackers and safeties to slow him down. So now you got Patrick Mahomes, superhero, with a lot less to distribute the ball to. And then when you add to the fact that his Pro Bowl left guard is hurt and out, uh, I think that the Ravens have, uh, have a big advantage there. So, you know, I, 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 it's hard to go against Mahomes because of his experience and how he's overcome issues like this in the past, but I think these Ravens are just too strong for him to do it this week.
1: All right. Trevor Maddich going with the Ravens at home against KC. Marco D'Angelo, what do you got?
2: Well, I kind of tipped my hand with my question to Trevor, and he is a very sharp and astute guy. I agree with him 100%. I'm going with San Francisco uh, for my best bet. And last week you had a combination of things with the 49ers, the rust versus the rest. And let's be honest, Brock Purdy. All the pressure in the world was on him because, you know, everybody felt the only reason they didn't go to the Super Bowl last year, obviously, was him getting injured in the NFC Championship game. That was pressure on him to come in there and perform. The fact that he had a bad game, and I even said to you, TC, at dinner, we almost got to see the Iowa State Brock Purdy last week, but he rallied them in the second half. He had the game-winning drive. Connected a 6 of 7 in that drive. I look for them to carry the momentum over this week. And I look at this San Francisco er, offense versus the Detroit defense. The Detroit defense has made a lot of average quarterbacks look very good in the last six weeks. I am going with the 49ers, and I'm laying it. I'm a chalk-eating weasel this week.
1: <laughs> well, you know, I, I agree with both of you guys, and I could go either direction uh, of, with Baltimore over Kansas City or San Francisco over Detroit. I'll probably be involved in both of these games, and I'm with you guys. Um, I, 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 can't, I think the Kansas City run has come to an end, and uh, this seems like Baltimore's year. So very intrigued. Uh, to take Baltimore, you know, laying the four points here. But, you know, I've been on this 49er bandwagon, you know, pretty much all year, and they have paid off for the most part. Again, I am going to go with San Francisco as the best bet just because I do not believe that they are going to throw two clunkers in. Yeah, they won the football game last week against Green Bay, but they threw in a clunker. Brock Purdy was not spectacular. Weather was a problem. We've seen that with him in the previous games where he's faced rain going back to Philadelphia early in the season in Cleveland and then you know he couldn't throw the ball last week, couldn't make up his mind, glove or not, whatever. But this is his home field and the 49ers should feel comfortable there. Debo Samuel worries me. Uh, he's not gonna be a hundred percent, but he's got to play in this game. The shoulder injury, I know it's a it's a serious injury, but they need Debo Samuel. For me I love San Francisco. I love Christian McCaffrey. I love the defense, and I think that they are going to be much more fine-tuned and ready to go this week. But this is really a play against Detroit. All right? Detroit's a nice story, but when it comes down to coaching Kyle Shanahan versus Dan Campbell, I'm taking Kyle Shanahan every day and twice on Sunday. All right? And when you look at Detroit... This is a team that has been playing in the cozy confines. They've closed the regular season and the first two weeks of this playoff season at home in the comfy confines there in Detroit in the fast track, like Trevor talks about. All right, well, when they were on the road, they were playing Minnesota fast track. Dallas basically indoors, all right? They have not played outdoors on grass since November in Chicago, and that was about seven weeks ago and they got drilled they lost that game 28 to 13 i cannot get that out of my head i think going into san francisco against the best team in the nfc is going to be too much for the detroit lions jared goff going back to a house of horrors against the 49ers i think it's the Niners' time here and we're going to see a super bowl more than likely with baltimore and san francisco but uh, definitely taking San Francisco, laying the seven. So if it's a chalk-eating weasel or a Beverly, you know, Mai Tai, whatever it is, give it to me, baby. Give me the 49ers. And there you go. Our best bets are up on the website as well, too. You can see uh, Scott Spritzer's, Gilby the Interns um, up there as well, too. All right, Trev. We appreciate you, my friend. Enjoy your weekend, and hopefully, uh, you've got some frosty beverages, some great food, and uh, you're in a recliner or a couch and enjoying the games from your home.
0: Oh yeah, and I tell you, my wife is a is a Chiefs girl now. She loves the Kelsey podcast and loves the <laughs> Kelsey girls, and so. Uh, it's uh, we're gonna we're gonna have a whole lot of fun. She has a sparkly sequined Chiefs jersey that she wears, and so even though, I'm not gonna tell her that I picked the Ravens. You can't you can't do that because you might not be eaten on Sunday. Hey, and you guys, TC, you got to break out your guitar and, with Marco, write the country song, Chalk Eating Weasels. That sounds
1: like a great song. <laughs> you know, Trev, country's not my uh, genre, you know? So, uh, But you're right. We can uh, maybe get Jay Cornegay, who looked like he just got out of the rodeo when he was here with us. So there you go. Chalk Eating Weasels. <laughs> there you go. I like that. Only, Trevor, if you'll play bass and, uh, you know, the stand-up bass, and uh, you'll give us a little baritone uh, vocals. How's that?
0: Yeah, I got a bucket, a mop stick, and a string. I'm on it.
1: Well, let's get back to the Beverly Hillbillies, my friend, all right? Have a good one. Thanks, guys. Uh, My guy Trevor Maddich does a fantastic job uh, over at uh, ESPN College Football. All right? All right, man. I don't know if Trevor wants me to say anything, but he's had a great run at ESPN, and he's going to be continuing there, signing a new contract. Nice. For many, many years. So, congratulations to him for that. That's, that's our guy, and, and uh, he will continue to join us uh, here as well. All right, uh, fellas. We uh, look forward to a great weekend. And, uh, Marco, you and I are both on the favorites, it looks like. Yep. We are chalk eating this week. so That's it. We have
2: right. a lot of beverages to get that chalk down, you know?
1: <laughs> All right. For Nunchuck, TC, Marco, have yourself a good one, everyone. Go to the website, check out our breakdown on the games, and uh, hear our interview with Steve Berline from yesterday. Uh, as well. That is up on the website as well at tcmartinshow.com Appreciate you joining us. We'll be back at a Monday to recap it and then we'll start the hype. Two weeks to the Super Bowl here in Vegas. Drove it
0: down to Orleans to celebrate the anniversary